Hey, welcome to QAV, a podcast about investing. My name's Cameron Riley. Uh, this is episode 506. This is the free edition of episode 506. Uh, if you're new, I'm going to explain in a minute uh, what you're listening to. But even if you're not new, don't skip forwards uh, quite yet this week because I want to plug... Uh, something new that we're coming out with. I'm going to do it at the end of the episode, but uh, we've just launched a new service, QAV Lite. Uh, it's particularly for people that aren't QAV Club members. And um, yeah, we're very excited about it. Uh, it's been a great response to the first 24 hours it's been out. We launched it via the newsletter yesterday. If you didn't see that, have a look for it in your inbox if you're on our newsletter list. Anyway, if you're not on our newsletter list, I'll give it a plug at the end of the episode. So, uh, you know, Check that out. Um, now, for brand new people, what are you listening to here? Well, this is a podcast. Uh, it's been running a few years where I talk to my mate, Tony Kynaston. Tony's a very successful investor. Been doing it for 30 years. Got a very good track record. His portfolio returns about 19.5% per annum, uh, CAGA, um, on average. And, and that's pretty good. Um, that's up there with the best in the world. And he, he's able to do that because he's developed a methodology, a system for investing, uses a, a spreadsheet we call the checklist. We put a bunch of data in it and we score stocks. It's based on uh, that checklist. Um, it's a form of value investing, pretty conservative, pretty old school, but it works. And uh, that's what we talk about on this show. So uh, if you're brand new and you're listening to this episode, there's probably a bunch of jargon and terminology that you may not be familiar with. Don't worry about that. Let it go over your head. If you want to listen to more and you want to understand more about um, how Tony does this, I recommend go to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and follow the steps on there for getting started. Listen to episodes 301, 303, 305. That's where we introduce... Tony and the methodology in the system, and uh, or you can listen to them in your podcast app if you want. Go back and find those season three, episode one, season three, episode three, episode five, and uh, then a, a lot of the uh, uh, stuff that we're talking about will become more clear. We also have premium episodes and a thing called QAV Club, which again I'll explain at the end of this episode. So with that, uh, let's get into this week's show where we will be talking about copper being a buy again, why Virgin UK's audit is not qualified. We'll talk about the CEO of the ASX resigning and what that means if you're a shareholder, the impact of petrol prices on the economy and on the market, uh, an update on our QAV portfolio, uh, qualified audit for SGR and why that's interesting. Tony does a deep dive, what we call a pulled pork on uh, New Farm NUF. And then uh, we answer a question from one of our listeners about um, how to work with a stock you inherit, you don't pay for, uh, how do you figure out when to sell it? And that leads to a whole discussion about how we decide when to sell stuff. And then in the club edition, we also answered a bunch of other listener questions about why we have no cutoff for low quality scores, Tony's average holding period, Andrew's sliding rule number one, etc etc but uh you won't get that in the free episode that's only for our club members anyway i'll shut up now and uh we'll get into it welcome back to qavtk episode 506 we're recording on the 15th of february 2022 happy valentine's day for yesterday tony <laughs> thank you Cam. happy valentine's day to you i'm in a separate state to my wife so uh i'll send her some cupcakes all oh, right, you do. Have, you you guys recognise Valentine's Day? We don't. We're like, nah, 
we don't either normally, but because we're apart, I thought oh, I'd better send something. I was thinking of just sending up something nice anyway because we're apart, but then I thought, oh, Valentine's Day. Most of the stuff you're buying, all I could buy was for Valentine's Day, so I just took the opportunity. I'd be thinking, seeing, seeing as you forgot your wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> taking any opportunity to lay it on thick. Yeah, well, I did, um, I did send some flowers after that. <laughs> Spreading it on thick like Vegemite on hot buttered toast. Ooh, and hot cross buns. Off, off air, we were talking about the Super Bowl ads and I was uh, I thought, oh, we should do this on the show. It's the only, <laughs> Chrissy and I love about this, it's the only television advertising we see all year, of the Super Bowl ads, because we don't have a TV. So we never see ads. You don't see them in Australia anyway. It's only for the North American market. Even in Canada, we didn't see them. Like they charge by region. But we don't see any ads all year, I'm saying. We never see an ad. Okay, but I watched the Super Bowl last night on TV and the ads are Australian ads because it's shown here. You don't see the US ads. Oh, yeah, okay. So we, we watch them on YouTube. I'm not going to watch the actual game. I don't care about the football. I care about the halftime concert, which was awesome, and I know you wouldn't have appreciated it. I hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would. It was awesome. It, I seriously teared up. To me, it was just to see Dr. Dre and Snoop and mostly M. I remember when those guys, like particularly Dre and Snoop, were considered uh, the downfall of America 30 years ago. <laughs> Tipper Gore was putting parental advisory stickers on their albums because, oh, you know, it's the African-Americans. They, <laughs> they've got a platform yeah, right. now. Be careful. They're, smoking, they're talking about smoking weed and, oh, that's never going to be legal. Oh, whoops. <laughs> and to see them be so mainstream now that they're doing the Super Bowl halftime game, so inoffensive to uh, your average white American that they can do the Super Bowl. <laughs> I thought it was really great. But I was, I was going to tell you about the Larry David ad. So it's like uh, it's Larry as characters throughout history. First guy shows him this the first wheel. He goes, what's that? It's the wheel. He goes, eh, I don't know. He goes, but I don't like it. He goes, but it rolls. He goes, yeah, so does a bagel. Yeah, there's no, I don't care. It's not good. And then they're inventing the toilet. He doesn't like that. And the fork, he doesn't like that. All of these major achievements. And it ends up with a guy at the end talking to Larry about crypto as an investment. Larry's like, eh, I don't think so. It's never, it's, you know, and I'm never wrong about these things. I don't think so. And we were talking about that in reference to the fact that somebody said they should, they wanted to advertise a crypto fund on our show. And I turned him down instinctively. Like, yeah, it's, it's never going to happen. We're never going to do that. And then I thought, eh, maybe we should just take their money and we can just do a piss take ad <laughs> that everyone would know we were joking. Like the old Graham Kennedy ads on the Melbourne Tonight. Yes, yes. Well, next time, next time I'll think about that. What else? Coppers a buy again, Tony, I think. Did you check the chart? I did. I checked it this morning. Yep. No, it's a buy again. Absolutely. Been sort of skirting around the buy. It was only a small sell and it came back again. So, yeah, it's definitely back into buy territory now. That's good. So who does that put back in, Alice? BHP? BHP, Samfire, Aurelia Metals. Yeah, oh, those yeah. three come to come to mind straight away. Good. Now, uh, there was in our buy list we put out yesterday, we had taken VUK, Virgin UK off because we thought it had a qualified audit. You had another look at it and said, mm, yeah, no, it doesn't, doesn't qualify as a qualified audit. <laughs> it's a non-qualifying qualified <laughs> audit. Yeah, the auditors were happy with the company. To be fair, the confusion is around, it's a very unusual audit statement for Australians because it's um, it's a UK-based company. And so the format of the audit report is different. The auditors 
I think probably by legislation called out quite a bit of detail about whether the company was a going concern or not. So they listed a bit like a key audit matter. They listed all the things they investigated to see if the company was a going concern. And then at the end said, yeah, it's fine. It's a going concern, at least for the next 12 months. So I think if you just glanced at it, you might draw the, the other conclusion that they were, they were highlighting the fact that the company may not be a going concern. But no, it's fine. Just a different format. So for QAV club members that are looking at the full buy list, you can take off the qualified audit for VUK. ASX CEO Dominic Stevens announced a bit of a surprise retirement recently. Yeah, sorry. And just before we leave VUK, it's back on the buy list too once you put that qualified audit back in. So it's a good high ADT stock for anyone who needs that. Yeah, so Dominic Stevens, head of the ASX, retired. And uh, the day it happened, I just happened to be about to log into the AFR website and they have at the bottom of the page, they have all the headlines and I went, oh shit, ASX CEO leaves. And I thought, oh, okay, that could be bad news. But then after I you know, probably had 24 hours to read the stories in detail, I think it's okay. He's announced his retirement. He announced it on the same day as the results came out. And perhaps he did that just not so they would, it'd all be on the same day and there wouldn't be an overshadowing of one or the other. But he did say he's staying on until they find a replacement and he's been there for seven years. I think he's been there for nine years in total and uh, quite a few as CEO. The only thing that I'm a little bit, I don't know, it's a bit of a caution in my mind is that the ASX for a long time have been trying to replace their big IT system, which is called the chess system, which is the system which tracks everyone's ownership of their share portfolio or their pieces of, of stock and shares. And... uh it's an old system. It's behind the times and people will know that uh, because they get printouts every quarter of their shareholdings and the transactions that have taken place. Whereas of this day and age, you think you get it by email at least. But um, the ASX under a previous CEO decided to you know, sort of leapfrog one cycle of the technology revolution and go straight to a blockchain solution. That was starting, was I think it was due last year. And it has been pushed back two years. There's been an awful lot of pushback from market participants, particularly the stockbrokers, who were just saying, look, why are we the first country anywhere to be using blockchain for such an important piece of infrastructure? So it's a bit of a caution in my mind that Dominic Stevens has seen the writing on the wall and doesn't want to be CEO of the ASX when the chess system moves to blockchain, but I could be drawing a long bow there. I'm not sure. And they've still got a year or two now to, to get it all sorted out. But um, I, I think it's okay. I think it's he's flagged, he's going, it's for a reasonable reason. He just wants to retire. He's been there for a long time and he's going to hang on until someone replaces him. So it's a bit of an event for me. Stephen's exit may cause some concern, although it is not completely unexpected, according to Citigroup analyst Nigel Pittaway adding that the company's first half result was a small beat to consensus expectations. Not sure if it's related, but the market doesn't seem to have handled it very well. They're down about 5%, I think, since he announced uh, last week. Yes, and it was, our, it was my pick for stock of the week last week. So the kindest thing kissed with death is, is it's alive and well. Well, that's, that's why. <laughs> I heard, I got an email from Dominic Stevens uh, saying that um, we wanted to go out on top. He said, well, Tony's picked us as the stock of the week. Uh, this, is, this is when it's time to, you know, can't do any better than that. Yeah. <laughs> job here. Job is done. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I'm out. Oh, uh, yeah. Petrol prices are up, Tony. Filled my tank yesterday and it was like close enough to two bucks a litre. 
And I was like, whew, that's, that's expensive. What the hell's going on? And then I did read a story about it. I think it was in the Financial Review today or yesterday talking about some of the reasons why petrol prices are up, blah, 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 Russia, Ukraine, Russian oil, blah, blah, blah. If the US puts sanctions on them, what's going to happen? World War Three, et cetera, et cetera. But also just talking about the trickle through impacts to the economy of petrol prices going up. They also said it had something to do with oil's not at it back to its all-time high, but the Aussie dollar is low. So the combination of oil going up, the Aussie dollar going down means that petrol's expensive here and that has trickle on impacts through the economy. Have you had any thoughts about what that means? Do you care? Probably not. Well, I mean, I, I care in the wider context. I think it's bad for the economy because I've spoken about this before. I think there's three important things to middle-class Australia in terms of their wallet. One is uh, petrol prices because that's a, a thing they do every, well, from my Shell experience, every 10 days you fill your tank. And if it's now costing twice as much as it did a little while ago, that's, that's got to hurt from a budgeting point of view. The second one is interest rates rising. Probably the biggest cost for every household is their mortgage interest and mortgage repayments every month. So if they start to go up, which they are, then that's another blow to um, people's spending abilities. The third one is the Australian dollar. And it's a bit of a each way bet that one because a low dollar hurts people's bank balances again because, or they're spending again, because if you're import, we import most of our clothes, white goods, black goods, all those things come from overseas. We have almost no manufacturing base here ourselves. So we pay more for refrigerators, TVs, clothes when the Australian dollar is low. That's the bad side of the Australian dollar being low. The good side though is that it's good for unemployment because, or good for employment because what we do do well in Australia is we export raw commodities. So it does create more work in the mining industry and the agricultural industry. Both of those are doing really well at the moment. And so um, they're employing people. Low dollar, I think, is a net positive for the Australian economy, but it does, it does hurt people's checkbooks. So yeah, I think we're not there yet, but we start to get pretty quickly into a world of pain for the um, middle-class Australia and that will hurt our economy. Good for people like me that earn a big chunk of their income in US dollars from yes. people in the US. <laughs> I'm always super happy, except the fact that Chrissy and I are planning on going to the US in a few months. So we won't be so happy when I get over there, but uh, we'll have to buy stuff with Australian dollars. Yeah, that's right. The Pacific peso. Other thing is it's to be aware of is the, the oil prices going up, as you said before, largely driven by geopolitical events, particularly by the threat of war in the Ukraine, whether it happens or not, just the fact that it's a threat is driving up the price of oil, predominantly because Russia is a big oil exporter. And if sanctions are put in place and that's less oil in the market and the, the oil price goes up. And so this is a bit of the market's kind of pricing that in at the moment in terms of their probabilities of it being a war. The thing is, though, that's got to happen and the oil price may already have factored in that happening. So I think the only thing I'd say is that people need to be quite aware of, of what happens with the oil price because it may slip quite quickly. So have your alerts set if you're a shareholder of Santos or Beach Energy in particular. They may well come off if Russia pulls back or the sanctions don't hold because I, I noticed too last week that the or just a couple of days ago, the Chancellor of Germany was in talking with uh, the Ukraine about it all because at this stage, I think Germany hasn't yet bought into the idea of sanctions because they're a, a huge importer of Russian oil and gas. So there's no guarantee that the sanctions, even if there is a war, will actually have any sort of practical impact in terms of oil because Germany will still need it. 
be fun times if the US tells them they can't buy it and they buy it anyway. <laughs> yeah, who knows what will happen. But um, I guess I'm highlighting the fact that this could change quickly and the oil price could drop back again. So just be just have your alert set. Most of our oil and gas stocks are way above their three-point trend lines anyway, so it shouldn't be a problem. But if someone's bought in recently, what's your rule ones? Okay, moving on. I had a look at our portfolio, the QAV portfolio yesterday. It's dropped back a little bit versus the ASX 200 from last week. I think we were doing three for the financial year, that is. I think we were doing three times the ASX 200 for the financial year. Last week, this week, we're about two times. Mm -hmm. So it's caught up to us a little bit, but we're still three times the ASX 200 since inception. So it's on track. It's doing good. No, exactly. I think we had a good week last week too. I got the Nevexa email, which says that our top three performing stops were ZGL, Zycon Group, up 12.5%, IGL, the IVE, IVE Limited, up 10%, and KSC, KNS Transport, up nearly 8%. So uh, a lot of good stuff happening. ZGL finally went up. What? <laughs> oh, IGL or ZGL? Uh, both. ZGL went up 12.5%. What the hell? <laughs> it was uh it's done nothing for a long time. Oh look, it spiked. Wow. I wonder what that was all about. I couldn't find anything when I had a look, but I've got to expect it's because of the results that are about to get announced, would be my guess. Certainly it was for KSC. They came out with a trading update a week or two ago. Well actually, sorry, probably a little bit more than that, three weeks ago, saying their profit was going to be about twenty five percent up on uh, last year. I did notice that one of our stock tips last week, I think OEL was last week along with the ANZ. I think OEL was our small cap. Auto Energy, yeah. It uh, went up 0.01 of a cent, which means it jumped like 30% or something like that. You know? <laughs> Actually, Google Finance was telling me it was up 100%, but I don't think that's right. When we recommended it was one cent. Oh, no, it was 100%. We were recommending it. It was one cent. It jumped up to two cents. There you go, 100% on your money if you got wow. in and out of got in and out of OEL. <laughs> if you got in, <laughs> the other news for the week as well, along with oil going up, is gold's going up too, just being seen as a safe haven in case there is a problem in Europe. And with Bitcoin being so volatile, I think people are probably starting to see gold as more of a safe haven than Bitcoin. So it's up to, I think it's around, last time I had a look, it was about 1850 US dollars. So it's, yeah, getting back up there again. Good stuff. What else did you want to talk about? SGF? Yeah. So someone asked a question a couple of shows ago about whether it was worthwhile actually checking for qualified audits in 200 ASX stocks, I think they suggested. And I did notice in the latest buy list that SGF, which is the Star Entertainment Group, so they run the casino in Sydney, they have a qualified audit this time around and that's a top 150 stock. So it can happen to big companies. Hold on. Isn't SGF, SG Fleet Group? Oh, okay. Giving you the wrong code, have I? It's Star Entertainment Group is the one I'm thinking of. SGR, my mistake. Oh, SGR. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so the auditors have just kind of the reverse of the UK. They've raised a, a going concern issue largely because of COVID and uh, the impact it's had on Star Entertainment Group and the casinos and the you know social distancing regulations and all that. So it's got a qualified audit. Whether or not that's realistic, given that Thing to be getting back to normal, but who knows what will happen if there's another variant. But uh, I guess that's what the auditors are saying is that this business has been through the wars with in terms of being shut down and, and uh, social distancing rules, reducing its its turnover. And if it happens again, it might be uh, might be a bad thing for the company. Well, 
Crown Casinos, Crown Resorts, has just agreed to a $9 billion takeover bid by an American private equity firm. Maybe that's in the future for Star as well. Yeah, quite possibly. In fact, I think at one stage, Star actually lobbed a bid for Crown. So yeah, there's certainly room for consolidation in the in the gaming industry in Australia. There are lots of regulation issues. There's some talk the takeover of Crown may not go ahead for regulatory reasons. It still has to get all the probity checks done and sign off from three state governments. So it'll probably go through, but uh, it's not by no means a complete 100% certainty at the moment. But yeah, Star Entertainment Group could be next as well. Well, uh, what else have we got? Ma'am, well, you say you don't know why Ma'am sorts to the top of the buy list, but it wasn't on the top of the buy list as far as people are aware because I sorted it manually down. So Yeah, okay. I'm using my version of the spreadsheet. Is it happening in the Flipman model? I think you use that, don't you? Yeah, I, I haven't done the Flipman model this week, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't been able to fix it. So Alex, who did the download this week, highlighted the fact that MAM was with a QAV score of 0.1 was coming to the top of our buy list during a sort. And I had a look at it and couldn't solve it. So typically when that happens, it's because there's some kind of formatting issue and it's sorting, you know, space 0.1 ahead of 0.1 or whatever the deal detail is, I'm not sure. So I haven't been able to, to work it out. I'll keep looking and try and do it. But if anyone out there is better at Excel than I am and they have a brief, uh, can, can look at the spreadsheet and know what the problem is, it'd be great to hear. Maybe Brett can give us a hand. All right. So if you see ma'am turn up at the top of your list when it shouldn't, let us know, particularly if you can work out why. All right. What do you got for your stock of the week, Tony? Yeah, New Farm, the um, crop protection and seed business. I spoke about it towards the end of last year in terms of its underlying commodity chart was turning up. So it was a buy because of glycophosphate or something similar. But it's, it's popped up on the buy list again. So it was on the buy list, I think, last year. It came off and now it's turned up again and it's back on the buy list. It does have a September reporting date. So we're not getting recent figures at the moment. So the, the turnaround is largely because of share price, which is why it's come back onto our buy list. But I thought I'd run through it as, um, as a pulled pork today. It's had a great run recently. It was uh, $4.30 on the 24th of January, currently at five fifty one. Yeah, unfortunately, as I said, that um, it went off the buy list during part of that, so it's just come back on now. But I think the thematics are there. It's a bit of a turnaround stock, this one, and it can be volatile because those underlying chemicals can be volatile. But at the moment, it's supplying to the agricultural sector, which is doing really well, both from exports and from, from local sales. So I think it's set for a run. But to run through the numbers, you'll see why I'm saying it's a rebound. It's uh, PE is trading at 34 times at the moment, so it's quite high. But it's prop cap, it's, its price to operating cash flow is only around five times. So it's obviously it's generating lots of cash, but it's not th- flowing through to the bottom line. But as we've seen with other companies, if that top line continues, then the bottom line will improve as well, which I think it probably will given that the agricultural sector is so bullish. As I said, it's a, a crop protection business, so it makes pesticides, herbicides, that kind of thing. Think Roundup that people may have used in their own their own homes. It also diversified a while ago into a, a seed business, so it's also supporting the agricultural industry from sort of cradle to grave is, is what they're trying to do. So that's the sort of essence of the business. It's a large company, so its ADT is uh, nearly $5 million per day. So that's going to suit everybody, I think, uh, who, who's listening to this. Its price is still slightly below its consensus target, so it scores for that. However, it's not a star stock at the moment, and uh, I imagine that because of its low 
ROE and low earnings, it, it won't qualify. But if they do rebound, I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes highly rated by Stock Doctor, which improves the score and that can boost the share price as well as that catches on. The financial health, however, is satisfactory and steady. It's a point for that. It's the price, however, is above IV1 and 2, and I'm using a price of $5.54, which was the price on the weekend when the download was done. I think it's slightly below that today, but not by much. But it is less than, uh, it's about around about its price to book, but definitely less than price to book plus 30%. So uh, it gets a point for that. It is forecast to grow, so by 33%, but with the P ratio being so high, the growth over the PE isn't scoring above 1.5, so we're not getting a score point for that. Directors hold 5% of the company, which is good, but not uh, 10%, which we look for, so we're not getting a, a score for that. On the manual entries and the manual data front, it's a record low PE from the last three uh, years, so it gets a, a two for that, and it's also a new upturn since its last result, so it gets a score for that. Equity is a bit bumpy, so it's not getting a score for continually increasing equity and sum all those things up and we get a quality score of 67% and a QAV score of 0.13. So uh, it's on the buy list. I think it's worth a look and I wouldn't be surprised given strength in the agricultural sector if it rebounds from here. Wow. Well, it's had a good run of late. I'm just looking at it in stock doctor. Okay. It's been up as high as 10 bucks going back. Uh, 2017. Okay. And I think a reason for that is uh, it is very commodity driven. So, and the um, glycophosphate, the whole suite of those chemicals can be quite volatile. And not just, obviously, it's driven by supply and demand, but it can also be driven by how much is stockpiled as well. So, if a company like New Farm starts to buy up and fill its warehouses, doesn't matter what happens with the price of glycophosphate. If it's got lots of stock to sell, that's the price. So, there's a few variables there and uh, they've been high before, but they have come down quickly. So just be aware. You know, this one looks like a bit of a falling knife to me over the last uh, three or four years. Sort of been, it's been sliding downwards since April 2017. Had a nice spike just in the last month, kicked it back up. But, you know, would, would you buy this with a chart like that? Yes, I would, definitely. Again, I kind of think of the three-point trend lines as a, as a range. And if, if you can see it kind of traded down in a, a range that had uh, troughs running through, say, from January 18 through maybe October 18 down to about May 19. But it also had a peak to, the, to that range as well. You sort of look at May 18 going down through maybe January 19 and then July 19. So you can see a sort of trough running down and it went sideways for a bit. And now I think it's on the up phase again. So yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a classic rebounding sort of graph. Right. But if we look at sort of, if I go down to its first real big trough, May 19, it then rebounded up through to sort of October 19, a bit like it's done recently, but then it, yeah, it went sideways, as you said, then it came back down, then it went up, down, up. It sort of seems to be climbing its way back upwards, though, doesn't it, since October 2020? It does, yeah, I think so. But again, you know, no guarantees. It could turn down again, but it's a very cyclical business. And I think given that the commodity is strong and the sector that it serves is strong, I think it should get set up for a rebound. Interestingly, it doesn't have a COVID cough. comes a bit late. 
But if you look at around March 2020, when nearly every other stock I look at completely bottomed out, it didn't. It actually went up between March 2020 and May 2020. Then it dropped after that when we went into lockdowns. Yeah, right. Just thinking about, was wonder if there's a lag in the in the ag industry, perhaps. A lag in the ag. Yeah, there would have been, I guess. With oh, I don't know. Did exports continue on unabated during the COVID cough and, and that year? Probably did. No idea. Yeah, no idea either. All right. Thank you for taking us through New Farm, NUF. Anything else before we get into the Q&A, Tony? Uh, no, that's me done. Thank you. All right. This first question comes from Dave. Hi, Cam. Question for TK. Say, hypothetically, Tony had inherited some shares in a newish tech stock. Let's call it after zip. After the passing of his great-great-aunt, that'd be difficult for you, wouldn't it, Tony? <laughs> At the time he inherited them, the shares were just $6, but since then they have rocketed over to $100. The stock is highly regarded in certain circles, even though it has regular capital raisings and has yet to turn a profit. The stocks have not had any QAV Bible reasons to sell since Tony inherited them. Would Tony still be holding them? Yes, I would. And you're right. I don't have any great, great aunts. And I think I'm probably the only person who owns shares in my family. So I'm not expecting any inheritances, unexpected inheritances with people who have share portfolios anytime soon. <laughs> but to Dave's point, yes, I would hold it. And I just use three point trend lines to trade it. I'd probably draw a rule one at the price when I obtained it. And I'm assuming there's no tax issues here. Sounds like it's just using this as an example so we don't take tax into account, but it can be an issue with inheritances. But yeah, so uh, yeah, no. And the reason, my logic for that is if it's not a three-point sell and it's not a rule one, it's going up. So uh, I would just hang on for the ride until it was time to sell and then put that money back into QAV. Because bear in mind, if, if the other alternative is that if Dave sold that stock after Zip, whatever he called it, there's a 60% chance you get one that goes up, but there's a 40% chance you get one that goes down. So I do have a bit of a bias to holding things, you know, making cases to hold things for as long as possible. I'm still pretty ruthless when it comes time to sell, but as described, I would hold it until it became a rule one or a three-point trendline sell. If you inherited it, why is there a rule one? Well, I guess it's a, a bit of a an emotional rule one. Like if you, I don't know, just say we put a number on it, say you inherited $100,000 worth of after zip, you don't really want it to go down to 80,000, 70,000, or as Afterpay did, all the way down to 30 or 40,000. So I'm going to rule one it based on the price that I received of that and just protect the capital. Just a, a line in the sand. Dave continues, I use this to highlight a broader point. As I see it, there are three things in your control in investing. What to buy, assessed by quality. When to buy, i.e. the buy price, assessed by value. And when to sell, i.e. the sell price, assessed by sentiment. What and when to buy is very well served by the QAV checklist system. However, when to sell is nearly entirely sentiment-driven. Much like growth investing and red flags aside, there's no assessment of whether the company has maintained quality or value. Has Tony ever considered a reverse checklist for selling, something that identifies that the company is of poor quality or value? Or does the stairs up, lift down analogy mean sentiment is all you should worry about when selling? First of all, it's a really good summary of the process, but it's also a really good question. And I have tried to find another methodology for selling. And listeners to the show might remember, I, I did go all the way to a live test of 
looking for stocks in my portfolio that had a QAV score that reduced to 0.05. So we buy things above 0.1. And so effectively, they were half the hurdle rate for buying something. I ran that for, I don't know, six months, nine months, maybe. And it just didn't work. It was marginally worse generally than, than running it with a three-point trend line sentiment. But then I got to the stage where I sold one stock, which then went on to have a great run. I just went, no, that's just, it's, it's not worth pursuing. This was also a question that's been asked before around, you know, we, we looked at putting a QAV portfolio into straw man. And one of the questions straw man at the time was asking was, what do you think the value is or what's the target price for this stock? And I, I really have no idea. I've played around with regression to the mean. There's got to be some kind of regression to the mean involved in, in selling a stock whether it's what you think is the IV and while it trades below the IV, you buy it. And when it trades above it, you sell it. That might be the answer. But um, I've known plenty of examples where I bought something and then it just gets bigger and bigger as it climbs up the indexes, as it gets onto more and more fund managers' screens. And they're, they're happily paying prices way above what I'd be paying as a value investor, but they're just not value investors. They might be index investors. They might be long-term buy and holds or whatever. So there's a whole broad church of reasons why people buy stocks. And I always struggled to find any sort of logic to when to sell. And I always found that you know, my assessments of IV have been gray at best, that the market doesn't work like a spreadsheet when it comes to that. And it's more like a pendulum. So we're trying to get on the pendulum when it swings too far to the value end. But you know, it's pretty hard to time when it gets too far to the, the growth end because every time I've tried to do that, it keeps going. <laughs> so, Or you've just missed it and it, it swings all the way back. So I appreciate the question, but I haven't come up with the answer to that yet, but happy to discuss it further if anyone's got any ideas. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. As I mentioned, uh, we, we answered some more questions in the club episode. The club episode normally goes for extra half an hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we get that week from our club members. Um, now, uh, uh, if you are interested in f- hearing the full episodes and getting access to the checklist and our Getting Started guide and the extra content we have and our f- private Facebook community, just go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, sign up for the two-week free trial for that, and you can uh, get have a look and have a play and a listen and see if you think it's something that would be useful for you on your investing journey. Now, um, I wanted to talk about this new product that or service, whatever, that we just launched yesterday. It's called QAV Lite. We're kind of experimenting with this to see how it goes. So as you probably know, if you've been listening for a while, and if you're on our free newsletter uh, and on our f- free uh, Facebook gr- uh, page, for the last, uh, I don't know, four or five months, since the beginning of September, we've been publishing two free stock tips each week, a small cap stock and a large cap stock, and then tracking the performance of those um, in, in a spreadsheet and reporting on them each week. And they've done really well. I mean, uh, our, our strike rate is about 60%. Uh, which is kind of what we work on, um, you know, just trying to do a little bit better than flipping a coin is all it takes, Tony says. So the whole methodology of QAV is, oh, door just slammed behind me, is about uh, figuring out how to uh, get more right than you get wrong, basically. And um, 60% is uh, what Warren Buffett tries to do with his picks. It's what Tony tries to do with QAV as well. And the free stocks have uh, been doing that. Some of them have done really well since September. 
But, um, you know, we've had some feedback from some of our free listeners saying, well, telling us what to buy is great, but you're not telling us which ones we should sell and when we should sell, which is something that QAV Club members learn how to do themselves. But for those of you that aren't part of QAV Club yet, for whatever reason, um, you know, we know that just telling you what to buy is only half of the solution. So we're introducing this new thing to, uh, today, yesterday, called QAV Lite. Basically, it's a subscription service where uh, you get an email from us each week. We will tell you what our stock tip, uh, two stock tips are for that week. We're not going to put them out for free anymore. We're going to bundle it into this service. So we'll give you a small cap stock and a large cap stock. And uh, we will also then track those. And when they breach one of our sell conditions, we will send you another email and tell you that we'll be selling them. So what we'll do is we will actually build a portfolio in real time and uh, basically tell you what we're adding and what we're taking out. And you can watch that. You can see how it goes. You can copy our trades if you want. We won't do the trades for you. Obviously, you'll need your own brokerage account. You can sign up to one of the digital ones like a Self Wealth or a Superhero or use Comsec or if maybe you have a traditional broker already, you can use those uh, through your super fund like Australian Super, etc. Um, and we'll also tell you when to sell, uh, when we're selling. And you can, you know, we're, we're not giving you financial advice. You can make your own decisions here or you should see a financial planner before you make any investing decisions. But, um, you know, if you choose to, you can copy our trades. You don't need to do anything else. So you don't need to be a QAV club member. You don't need to do the spreadsheets and the checklists. You don't need a stock doctor account and all that other stuff that goes with doing those. Now, I would recommend if you want to be a serious investor, you do join QAV club and get a stock doctor account and learn how to do all that stuff by yourself because Tony and I won't be here forever to uh, tell you what to do. Um, okay, so you could get Tony could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and then you're up Shit Creek without a paddle. So um, it's better if you know how to do it yourself. But if for whatever reason, and I know people have told us over the last few years, um, you know they they can't uh, justify the time or the effort, or it's too hard, or they don't want to pay for a stock doctor subscription or whatever it is, then this is an easy way to get started and get your feet wet, I get. You can build a, you can build a share portfolio. Cost us $29 a month plus GST, and you can cancel at any time, and we'll send you a weekly email every Monday with what to buy, and then when we do decide to sell something, we'll send you an extra email saying, hey, we're selling this out of the portfolio. And you can uh, get that and do with it as you will. So if you want to check that out, uh, go to qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T, not L-I-T-E, L-I-G-H-T, because we're in Australia and that's how we spell it. qavpodcast.com.au slash light, sign up and um, we'll probably start the emails. I think I'll put out one today. And we'll probably then do them starting next Monday on a weekly basis from there. Um, so that's that. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything I wanted to tell you. Have a great week. Stay safe. And uh, we'll be back next week. 
QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Decisions.